Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Isn't it good to be in the house of God, among the people of God, feeling the presence of the Lord? Amen. I'm thankful for the fellowship of the people of God. I'm thankful for the visitation of His Spirit. Amen. If you have your Bible, want to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 21. I'm going to read two verses of Scripture, a kind of obscure passage that you don't hear preached real often. But Isaiah chapter 21, and I'll begin reading in verse 11. Isaiah 21 and 11, the Scripture says, The burden of Duma, he calleth to me out of Seir. Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? And the watchman said, The morning cometh, and also the night. If ye will inquire, inquire ye. Return, come. I want to preach for a few moments from a subject that uh, well, the understanding and the meaning will become clear a little later this morning. But I've entitled it, The Burden of the Dead. The Burden of the Dead. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? We love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your presence that's in this house. I'm asking, Lord, that in the next few moments you would allow the Word of God to speak into our hearts and into our lives. Touch us. Change us. Minister to us and equip us that we may minister to others, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus, would you say amen? Amen. You may be seated. It was the custom in the regions of the East in ancient times to erect lofty watchtowers that would tower high above all surrounding buildings. And it was a place where watchmen would be posted, and the watchmen would watch and observe everyone who comes within their view, and they, they'd be ready to report something if trouble was coming. You see, the watchman did several important things. He, he watched for enemies by day, but he also watched for enemies by night. He, he guarded against the enemy that might come in and, and try to sneak in and besiege the city. The watchman in his lofty tower could see far into the darkness of the night. He could see the moonlight that would glisten off of the weapons. His ear was tuned to the sounds of the night, and he could hear the marching of distant feet, the unmistakable sound of an approaching army. He was also aware of the weather. He could see the gathering storm. He could feel the changes in the wind. And instinctively, he knew when danger was coming, no matter what kind of danger it was. And it was his job to sound the alarm, to make sure that those under his protection were aware of what they could not see, that danger was coming. But the watchman had another job as well. Standing on his watchtower, high above it all, he marked off the long hours of the dark night. Because while others slept, he was awake. While others rested, 
he was vigilant and on guard. Because he had not rested, he never lost his awareness of the passing hours. And in the darkest of night, when no man could discern the time, he knew whether the night was young. He knew if many long hours were still ahead, or if the night was almost past, and if the morning was soon to come. He had an awareness of the time. Now make no mistake, he, he didn't wear a watch. He, he couldn't tell you the minute and the hour or the hour and the minute when the sun would rise. But he was the first to notice the faintest lightning uh, of the darkness on that far eastern horizon. Long before the golden ray of sun begins to paint the sky in brilliant color, he was the first to see the changing of the shades of gray the changing of the darkness, and he alone really knew how much was left of the night. And in our text, the prophet finds himself in that lofty watchtower, a watchman over the nations, not just a watchman over a city, but a watchman among the nations. And as he stands upon that lofty wall and watches the dark night unfold around him, he hears a cry. He hears a voice that rises from the darkness. It's not a cry from within the walls, but it's a cry from without. Out of the land of Edom, out of the inheritance of Esau, from that famous mountain called Seir, there comes a cry. Watchmen, what of the night? Watchmen, what of the night? It seems ambiguous in the English translation, but the meaning was clear in the original language. The voice from the darkness is asking the watchman, how long will the night last how much is left uh, of the darkness uh, how long until morning comes it's an urgent cry it's an anxious cry it is the cry of a man who has endured long hours of darkness it is the cry of a man who longs for his night to come to an end it is the cry of a man who desperately seeks a way to escape, uh, a way out of the darkness, uh, a way into the bright light uh, of a brand new day. Uh, how long will the night last? Uh, what time is it now? Uh, when will the sun rise? Tell me, watchman, uh, what of the night? How much more do I have to endure? How much more will I suffer through? How many more long, dark hours will there be? It's the cry of a man longing for relief. And Isaiah characterizes it as the burden of Duma. Now that's an interesting turn of phrase, the burden of Duma. For years... Scholars struggled to understand where and what Duma was. Archaeologists scoured the records of that ancient land of Edom in an effort to find a city 
or geographical location somewhere near Mount Seir that perhaps was called Duma. However, they never reached a broad consensus. If you today ask 10 different Old Testament scholars where Duma was, you would likely get 10 different answers. Perhaps, though, the answer lies not in a location, but in the meaning of the word. You see, Duma is a Hebrew word. It's the word for deep, utter silence. It is a word that is used figuratively in the scripture to represent the dwelling of the dead. As a matter of fact, Psalm 115 and verse 17 capitalizes on the significance of that word, combining the motive of the dead with the idea of deep, uh, uh, intense uh, silence. Uh, when he says in a poetic play on words, uh, the dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. I have a news flash for you. Dead men don't praise the Lord. As a matter of fact, dead men don't do anything because they're dead. But the psalmist represents another verse, another group in that verse. And they are those who go down into silence. They are those that live, though they are alive, in the dwelling of the dead. These individuals, though they are physically alive, are spiritually dead. And they, too do not praise the Lord. They too don't worship Him. They don't know Him. They don't walk with Him. They don't have fellowship with Him. They don't have the kind of hope that He gives. And when we consider the plight of the spiritually dead, we better understand the message of Isaiah. Because there are those around us, those outside of the walls of safety, those outside of the city of refuge who are suffering through the darkness of a long night. They live their lives under the shadow of deep darkness and their happiness never really satisfies them. Their successes quickly give way to disasters. Their greatest accomplishments uh, ultimately yield to their greatest defeats. Uh, and they live their lives in a constant state of turmoil, always in transition from trouble to trouble, from night to night, from harsh trial to bitter difficulty. Solomon expresses their dilemma. In Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 19 where he says, The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. You ever tried to walk through your house in the darkness of a pitch black night? Perhaps on one of those nights when the, the storm has knocked out the power and you awake and find yourself in utter darkness and you're laying in the bed trying to remember where is the flashlight. If you're like me, you remember down the hall, through the living room, through the kitchen, through the laundry room, into my office, there is my hunting pack. And Brother Donnie, there's always a light in my hunting pack. 
And so you get up in the middle of the dark and and you begin to try to walk through the house. Uh, And even as familiar as you are with your own home, you live there. You walk those halls every day. You, You go navigate your bedroom every single day. You know where the furniture is. You know where the things are supposed to be. But even in your own home, you stumble in the darkness. If you're like me, you're tripping over stuff, and you don't even know what it is. You didn't even know what that piece of furniture was there. You're finding stuff with your toes and with your shins. Uh, that you In the darkness, it could have been anything. Uh, amen. That's the way it is when you live uh, in spiritual darkness. You can't see the obstacles. You can't understand where the pain is coming from. It, it doesn't ever make sense. Uh, amen. It's just shrouded in darkness. Jesus said in John chapter 12, In verse 35, the latter half of that verse, For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. When you walk in the darkness, you don't know where you are, and you don't know where you're going. There's always some unseen obstacle to trip over. There's always some unforeseen circumstance to derail you. It seems like danger lurks uh, in the darkness and try as you may, uh, you can't see it. uh, Amen. But you know it's there. You ever been there? You know, you're sitting in the woods in the middle of the night and it's pitch black dark and every sound uh, sounds like some ferocious beast. Uh, Amen. You take comfort in the fact that you've got a loaded gun in your lap, uh, but then you start to think some beast move quietly. Amen. And silent. uh, And the thing may be on me before I even know what it is. And your imagination conjures uh, things in the darkness. You're just sure. You're just convinced that it is there. You can't see it. You can't touch it. But you can't shake the feeling. Something terrible is just about to happen. That's the anxiety of the darkness. That's the anxiety that those that live in darkness live with. The constant sense of impending doom. I can't put my finger on it, but my happiness is so shallow. I I can't quite understand it, uh, but my accomplishments are so empty. Uh, It doesn't make sense to me, but I just feel like something bad is about to happen. It's the kind of anxiety that makes a man want to cry out, Watchman, what of the night? Watchman. How long will the darkness endure? Watchman, how long do I have to suffer through this? It's the cry of the hopeless searching for hope. It's the cry of those who walk in darkness seeking the light. It's the cry of a lost world that resides just outside of the city of refuge. Watchman. What of the night? Watchman, how long will it endure? It is the burden of the spiritually dead. It is the burden of a world that hopes for answers, 
but only finds more questions. It is the plight of all those who recognize the futility of walking in darkness, of living without hope, of constantly pushing ahead, but never finding a place of refuge or rest from the night. Watchmen, how long must we struggle? Watchmen, how long will the night endure? How long until hope comes? Hearing the desperation and the hopelessness in the cry, the watchman gives an answer. It's an answer that has a twofold meaning. The turn of phrase in the Hebrew could be translated two different ways. And it is almost as if the prophet recognizes that the answer that he gives presents two different possible answers. The first offers real hope. And the second offers no real hope. It offers hope for just a moment that is quickly swallowed. I'm sorry, again, I'm out of order. The first one offers no real hope. Offers hope for just a moment and then is swallowed by despair. But the second offers the only real hope that there is. When you hear the reply in the original language, you might understand the prophet to initially be giving a small word of assurance that is quickly swallowed by a forecast of hopelessness. It could easily be understood that the prophet says to that cry that comes from the darkness, Watchman, what of the night? He says, Morning is coming. There is hope on the horizon. You will come out of your present trial. Your long, dark night will soon come to an end. Life is cyclical that way. It ebbs and it flows. And even in the plight of those who walk in darkness, uh, even their situation is not always filled with tragedy and chaos. There are moments where the light breaks through. There are moments where... The crisis is finally resolved uh, where one emerges from the storm and realizes that they have survived the long, dark night. The prophet seems to give a nod to that understanding. The sun rises on the wicked and the righteous. Good fortune finds them both just as certainly as trial finds them both. It may rain on the just and the unjust alike, but the soft rays of the sun shine on them both as well. However, after the giving that very brief word of hope, morning is coming. The prophet continues with a forecast that the voice from the darkness would rather not hear. The morning is coming, but another long dark night is quickly on its heels. A brief respite will come, but brief is all that it will be because the night is never far behind. 
the morning. Oh, the futility of trying to forge a life uh, from the substance of this world. Uh, Oh, the futility uh, of trying to forge a life uh, when you walk in darkness. Uh, Even the briefest moments of light uh, are fleeting. Uh, Joy lasts just a moment uh, and then it's gone. Uh, Happiness uh, is transition. Uh, It's transitory. Uh, It happens and then quickly it passes away. Satisfaction is only temporary because there is a deeper dissatisfaction that the soul knows. It just knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that night will come again. That, my friend, is the burden of the dead. It's the dilemma of those who cry from darkness. Watchmen, what of the night? There is another way, though, to understand the answer of the watchman. Just as surely as his words could be pronouncing the futility of hope in this world of darkness, they could also be an invitation to a hope that never ends, a light that shines even in the darkest of nights. For the response could just as easily be a promise. Morning will come, even as the night continues. Where the first interpretation relies on a physical truth, day follows night, and night follows day and we live in an uninterrupted cycle of joy and mourning of peace and distress of success and failure darkness always follows the day the second interpretation relies on a spiritual truth it is possible to have light even in the darkness of night there is a hope that causes the morning to dawn even as the darkness persists. Uh, On the one hand, uh, the prophet seems to mock the futility of life, uh, while on the other hand, uh, he seems to open up a door of hope uh, in a valley of despair. Uh, There is relief uh, from the endless cycle uh, of night and day. There is hope uh, in the hopeless situation. Uh, Weeping may endure through the night uh, and joy may come in the morning, but there is a morning that never ends there is a morning that persists even in the darkest of nights it is possible to have peace in the storm to have joy in times of sorrow, to have strength uh, when your body is weak, uh, to sing and to laugh and to dance uh, in defiance of the darkness uh, because of a hope uh, that cannot be overcome, uh, because of a hope uh, that cannot be swallowed uh, by darkness, because of a light uh, that will not be extinguished no matter what is happening in life. The question this morning is which interpretation applies? What does the watchman's answer really mean? 
Does it foretell the pointlessness of hope and underscore the hopelessness of life? Or does it bear the promise of real hope, of a peace that never passes, of a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory? It all depends on your response to his words. The watchman ends his enigmatic message with another statement that is difficult to understand. Essentially, he says, if you want to ask again, then ask again. Because the answer is not changing. Because the answer isn't in the question. The answer is in your response. The voice in the darkness is asking the wrong question. The question is not, how long will the night last? The question is, how can I find light in the middle of my darkness? How can I find peace in the midst of my storm? How can I find joy in the middle of my struggles? How can I find laughter when I'm mourning? How can I find dancing when I'm weeping? How can I find joy where there's only sorrow? The answer is not in the rising sun. The answer is wrapped that, that, that idea that, that it comes from the rising sun is wrapped in pointlessness because just as surely as the sun rises, it will set again. The answer to the haunting question, Watchman, how goes the night, can only be found in the presence of the Lord. So the watchman concludes with an invitation. Return, come again. That word return is in and of itself a double entendre. It drives home the point that that first answer has two meanings. You see, the word return on the one hand can mean keep coming back. Keep asking the same question. Perhaps one of these days you'll find the answer that will satisfy the longing of your soul. But as often as you ask, the answer will not change. But on the other hand, it can mean return to the Lord. It's a Hebrew word that's used often in that phrase. Return to the Lord. Repent. I'm going to tell you something. The way out of darkness always starts at an altar. The way out of chaos always starts uh, in the presence of the Lord. Uh, amen. Come and cast your cares on him uh, and find light uh, in the middle of your darkness. Come and cast your cares on him uh, and find meaning in the middle of your confusion. Come uh, and cast your cares on him uh, and find joy in the midst of your sorrow. The meaning of the answer hinges on the response to the invitation. Some will walk away determined to endure the darkness of yet another night. And they will stumble along into the next dark, long night 
where they will once again cry out to the Lord, Watchman, how long, how long must the night last? And again, they'll hear the same answer. This is the burden of the dead. However, some will respond by turning their hearts towards heaven, turning to the Lord in humble repentance, and they will discover the spiritual importance of the message of the watchman. There is a light that pierces the darkness. You don't have to wait for the cycle of life to change, uh, to find your moment of joy and peace and fulfillment. You don't have to wait uh, for the sun to break the eastern horizon uh, to dance and sing uh, and laugh and rejoice. Uh, Amen. I come to this pulpit uh, on a Sunday morning to tell you there is a morning that will come uh, even as darkness prevails uh, in the world around you. That is the hope of the living. That is the hope of those who are stirred to spiritual life. And I come to this pulpit on a Sunday morning with a heavy topic, with a weighty message, with a message of despair. But I come to preach a word of hope. I have an answer to the question. Watchman, how goes the night? How long will the darkness persist? The answer is simple. Days will come and days will go. And darkness will persist. And the cycle will continue. Unbroken for all of time. Until you cast your cares upon the Lord. Until you lay it all at his feet and you come to the understanding I can trust him I can trust him I can walk with him he knows the way that I walk he knows the path that I'm on amen I'm not here by chance I'm not here just by circumstance he has his hand upon my life There is no darkness that can intrude into the glorious light of his presence. Yes, you'll still endure troubles. Yes. Trials are going to come. Yes. Sickness is going to happen. Yes. Uh, the finances are not always going to be good. Yes. Uh, the sun will sometimes hide its face. Uh, and yes, the darkness will close in around you. But hear the word of the Lord. Uh, Micah chapter 7 and verse 8 said, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. Uh, for when I fall, uh, I shall arise. Uh, when I sit, in darkness you hear it the Lord shall be a light unto me when I sit in darkness the Lord is my light there is a morning that will come even in the darkness of my night the Lord is my light I want to join my voice with that of my precious bride I come to you this morning with a message of hope. Peter said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You want to know where hope comes from? It comes from being born again. Having begotten us again unto a lively hope. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith uh, unto salvation, ready to be revealed uh, in the last time. Oh, my friend, uh, even in your darkest hour, uh, you uh, who are kept uh, by the power of God through faith, uh, the one who safeguards your inheritance, uh, the one who stands guard over heaven's gate, uh, the one who guards uh, that eternal joy uh, that one day you'll enter into, uh, that same one uh, keeps you by the power of God uh, through your faith. Uh, that same one uh, watches over your soul. You, he said, who are kept by the power of God. Then he says, wherein ye greatly rejoice. Though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptation. I come to tell somebody in this place on a Sunday morning, you can rejoice. Amen. Even in heaviness, even in trials, even in times of trouble, even when it seems like the darkness is all over, because there is a light that shines in the darkness. The Word of God said the entrance of thy Word giveth light. I come to tell somebody in this house on a Sunday morning, the Word of God is speaking. And it's trying to shine light into your dark situation. He goes on to say that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Pure gold, she said it. Put in the fire, comes out of it, proven to be pure. Genuine faith put into the trial comes out of it proven to be genuine. I come to tell somebody there's another way to live, my friend. Amen. You don't have to be bound by that endless cycle of week that passes into week, of day that turns into night, of getting up in the morning and working your fingers to the bone just to pay the bills and feeling like you never get ahead and you never get any rest and you never find a place of refreshing. I come to tell somebody Somebody in this house on a Sunday morning, right there in the middle of your chaos, uh, in the middle of your turmoil, in the middle of your trouble, uh, there is rest uh, and there is refreshing. Uh, there is joy uh, unspeakable uh, and full of glory. There is laughter. There is singing. There is dancing. Whom having not seen, you love. 
in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. It's the hope of the living. It's the hope of the living, not the burden of the dead that rules your life. When you can't see him, you can still feel him. When you can't touch him, you can feel his hand as it touches you. When you don't understand him, amen, you can still trust him. When it doesn't make sense, when you can't reason it out, when you sit in darkness, he will be your light. Would you stand with me? That's why they're singing and laughter, and joy, unspeakable, and full of glory, even in the middle of the trial, even in the middle of the turn. I'm going to tell you where the devil wants you. Hell wants you caught in that cycle. Listen to me. Hell wants you caught in the trap of waking up every morning, working your job nine to five or whatever your hours are, some of them is six to six. Coming home in the evening tired and able to find rest. Not enough, there's never enough money to go around. There's never an answer to every dilemma. And the enemy of your soul would like to trap you in that cycle and convince you of the hopelessness of life. Morning will come, but darkness will quickly follow. But I have a word from the Lord this morning. There is a morning. There is a light that shines in the darkness. There is a light that shines in the worst of situations and circumstances. It will be light in the evening time. That, my friend, is the hope of the living. You see, this world would like to convince you. The enemy of your soul would like to convince you that you're bound by the burden of the dead. But you need to put your finger in his face and tell him my joy doesn't come from my checkbook. Uh, my joy doesn't come from my bank account. My joy doesn't come from my health or my wealth. Uh, my joy doesn't come from my possessions and all the things that I have. Uh, my joy comes uh, from the Lord. Uh, amen. The maker of heaven and earth. Uh, he watches over me. He keeps me. He protects me. He sustains me. He strengthens me. He gives me laughter in my morning. He turns my ashes into beauty. He gives me joy when everything else is falling apart around me.
There is a hope trying to crash in on you right now. The darkness would like to veil it. It would like to push it away. It would like to tell you you're stuck in an endless cycle of up and down and in and out and never really getting anywhere. But I come to tell you this morning, you don't have to struggle with the burden of the dead. You have the hope of the living. There is a door that's opening up in your valley. There is a door that's opening up in your circumstance. It's a door of hope. Why don't you step into it? Step through it into the light of a brand new day. There's joy. There's peace. There's singing. There's laughter. Why don't you take a few moments on a Sunday morning why don't you cast your cares upon the Lord? Why don't you turn your trust to Him? Why don't you put your faith in Him? And why don't you believe it? Lord, I may not be able to see you, but I can feel you. I may not be able to touch you, but I can feel your presence in this room. I may not be able to understand it, but I can trust you. Why don't you come to this altar this morning? Why don't you turn your heart towards heaven? I believe there's joy that wants to flow through this place. I believe there's hope that wants to be loosed in this house. I believe there's laughter and singing and dancing. It's been too long since you let your hair down and just grabbed a hold of the end of a pew and danced in his presence.